Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 34 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, another big week in hockey. The North Division hit with the COVID virus. Mm -hmm. Lots of signings. The Leafs, um, you know, getting back on track, aside from their power play. But we'll talk about all of that and more in just a minute. First off, how's it going out your way this week? First things first, number 34, Austin Matthews, if we're going by a player player number episode kind of thing. So it's great to see us hit that Austin Matthews mark and great to see him starting to, you know, find the back of the net with his goal scoring again after the injury. But man, I'm doing good. You know, I'm still hanging in there. Some great news on my end. No fun fact this week, but just great news. My parents... I helped them sign up for the COVID vaccine through the online portal and everything. They're about to get their shots soon. So I'm really happy about that. And yeah, I, th- I think that's just the biggest news coming out of uh, out of my end this week. How about you? Big news and good news for you. And obviously that's exciting stuff. We talked about my grandma a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. getting her first shot. And you know what? It's it's underway. It means uh, they're on the road to uh, to making sure that they stay healthy and that's all that matters. Uh, out my way, uh, not much going on here. My my uh, my son's first Easter, so oh, congrats uh, very, to him. Yeah, very exciting news there. Um, obviously, we did a little little gift for him this morning. Um, some new toys for him. Obviously, too too young to go hunting for chocolate eggs at this point, but uh, <laughs> that'll be something we look forward to next year. Um, I did want to mention though. You know, it's been a while since I mentioned a show or a movie or something that I've watched recently that yeah. kind of stuck with me. And I was going off a recommendation from a coworker about um, Seaspiracy on Netflix. Hmm. And look, I, I'm the biggest meditarian. I love to, you know, steak and and chicken and you know seafood. I'm all about uh, I'm all about the meats. Um, but if you get a chance, it's it's about an hour and a half, hour and forty minute documentary about, you know, the treatment of whales and and uh, dolphins in, uh, you know, Japan and and across the globe, um, in in big tuna fishing, um, and how yeah. they get the dolphin dolphin safe check mark on their tuna cans. Definitely recommend it. It's worth a watch. It definitely makes me rethink. Um, kind of that thought process in terms of eating seafood. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a meditarian. I am going to continue to eat meat, <laughs> but I, I do highly recommend it, it. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. It's worth a watch. If you get a chance, take a look. It's interesting you brought that up because there was a documentary on Shark Week about a year, about two or three years ago where a guy examined, you know, 
um, shark finning, shark fin soup, everything like that, and shark meat actually being made or thrown into certain portions of other fishes. So it's really interesting that you brought that up because I really love that documentary. Yeah, no, it's and I find Netflix always comes out with these great documentaries. I I really have to take time to sit down and actually pay attention. But um, yeah, it's uh, like I said, I'm a huge doc guy, and if you get a chance, take a look, have a watch, and uh, you know maybe it'll change your thought process on things as well. Mm-hmm. But you mentioned COVID. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start yeah. the episode with the North division and the COVID protocol list that is continually growing in Vancouver. Uh, last we saw, I believe it was up to 14 or 17 players uh, and staff. Um, what I'm reading now, uh, according to Sid Sixero now with breakfast television is that uh, it is the Brazilian variant um, yeah. in that has been kind of, tested for in the the uh canucks locker room um mm-hmm. he mentioned that uh over you know brazil right now is seeing about sixty six thousand cases per day uh just to give you an idea of how rampant this uh this variant can uh can potentially be um thoughts on that and and just i mean obviously you know you'll read that the nhl did uh re-release information to teams on how to stay healthy, how to to you know stop the spread of COVID, how to follow protocol properly. Um, there's been some hot takes out there from you know Toronto's Damian Cox about um, you know well at least they're getting more rest and they'll be ready to go at the end of the season. Um, obviously, there was a lot of a lot of uh, you know kickback on that that comment, um, but. Thoughts on the Canucks and and where where does the North Division and the NHL go from here? Yeah, Elliot Freeman reported on the Saturday headlines that the NHL did send a memo out to teams where they cannot let their guard down, especially now that we're Canada is seeing a third wave and you know the the variants of concern are you know hitting hard with you know everyday citizens and uh, and now we're seeing that with the Vancouver Canucks and. We this is probably the worst that we've seen all season, and I know that the Buffalo Sabers got hit hard, the Dallas Stars got hit hard at the very beginning of the season, but this is a this this variant it, it is concerning. The Brazilian uh, the P1 variant is more transmissible and can be more deadly to those that are younger, and we're seeing a rise of young people with the infections of the variants, and you know. <sighs> we always have to stay safe and I just hope that everyone does recover because this is very serious. And Farhan Lalji from TSN reported that medical staff have entered the homes of the players to administer IVs right now. And if they're getting IVs right now and they need like, you know, the fluids and antibiotics and stuff like that, they, then it's, it, it it's not looking good for them. This is very serious and very concerning. And, you know, as, as to what the NHL is going to do, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I really, it, it is something that, I mean, you automatically think that, okay, they're going to postpone the games and everything like that. But Pierre Lebrun tweeted out yesterday that 16 players, three coaches have, uh, have, have been currently affected by this outbreak. And some of the points that he made is NHL is uh, proceeding on the assumption that this whole entire team is likely to test positive. The whole entire team right now. And that really is concerning. 
the variant, obviously, the Brazilian P1. Um, the conduct shutdown could last longer than potentially announced. But the fact that they want to try and play the games again, I I don't know. Like, I, I get that they're, uh, they're on the outside looking in of a playoff spot. They still have a chance to slowly maybe creep in and get that fourth spot. But I, you have to think about the players' health. That's the most important thing. And to me right now, and Matt Zader and Cam Robinson basically said the same thing yesterday where, you know, their health is important. If they need to like, if they need to drop out of the season, I totally get it. Like this is very serious. And until everything is all cleared, until they get the okay to come back, great. But you know what? Uh, Hearing the Damian Cox comment about him, about the team being rested, yeah, they, they may come out of this unscathed, but don't forget, there's something called long haulers, and this could affect them more so even after they fully recovered. I mean, look at Marco Rossi, 19 years old, and uh, even Alex Zalak, I believe. he They've had some, you know, complications afterwards in, in their recovery. This is serious. Like, yeah, it, are, could, could the rest help them? Yeah, but at the same time, think about their health it may be possible that they could come back healthy and maybe they don't get the long hauler effects. Great. You want to see people get to that level, but you know what? Some aren't that fortunate enough and this is very serious. So to say that, that the rest is going to help them, I think it's, it, it, it's, it's ignorant. It's ignorant. yes. Yeah. That's no other, was. no other way to put it. I mean, like it's uh, like, how well, else are you going to approach that? Like, at the end of the day, Damian Cox is thinking about hockey and hockey alone. He's not thinking about the actual, um, the actual human beings that are involved in it. Um, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, we're fortunate to have hockey right now with everything that's still going on. Mm-hmm. We're we're fortunate to have any sport right now with everything that's going on. Um, in some states, fans are allowed in the games, and that is that is a luxury at this point. Um, yeah. For us to forget that these guys are, you know, they have families, they have, they have lives, um, kids, kids, that it's just a game, Um, you know, think about all the people that are involved, not just the 27 players that are on that, on that roster, not just the, the, you know, 20 staff members that are in that room. This is, this is a bigger issue than, than what we, you know, what any of us can imagine. So, yeah. For, for a comment like that is is pure ignorance, and it's just, uh, you know, at, at this point in time, we don't have time for that kind of crap. So if you want to say mm-hmm. what you want to say, I mean, that's I, I guess that's what Twitter is all about. But um, at the end of the day, you know, obviously the Canucks need to do what's best for their players yeah. and their families. So if, if that means, you know what, you're, you are on the outside looking in right now in terms of the playoff spot. There yeah. is not a huge chance that you're making the playoffs. It's a very slim opportunity. At this point, if you got to call the season, call the season. Absolutely. Don't, yeah. No, I don't 100, 100% push it. Agree. Because not only are you not only are you risking yourselves, you are also risking the rest of the North Division as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to think about how quickly and how widespread this can be. So, I, I mean, at the end of the day, they've got to do what's best for them, and uh, you know, in terms of in terms of their health rather than the game of hockey, and that's what they have to think about. If you bow out this season, call it quits, whatever, at least you you're you're doing the right thing because your next season, most likely chances are if the vaccine rollout continues to go well for Canada and, you know, players are or fans are allowed back in the stadium, 
we've reached sort of that 75% threshold of herd immunity with the vaccinations, you'll have some sort of solace knowing that you'll be able to come back stronger and better possibly next season. Now is probably not the time to think about hockey, focus on the health. And again, it's the, all the, the decision is totally up to them. But if I were them, I think, you know, we've seen teams in the ECHL before bow out or like cancel the season, even if games were coming back. Um, don't take that risk. Get healthy. Make sure everyone is great and then come back next year. I, I think that might be the best thing. But then again, the organization has to make that call. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I completely agree with you. Um, and if you if you're a guy like Thatcher Demko who just signed a massive deal, um, yeah. you know, five years, 25 million, um, you want to make sure that you're healthy and ready to go for the following mm-hmm. season. Uh, and that, you know, obviously that's a big, big news for him to be able to sign a contract like that. Obviously not the way you want to start um, following sure. that big signing with, with COVID obviously hitting the team. But, uh, you know, big news for Thatcher Demko. Hopefully the Canucks can stay safe. Hopefully they can figure this out. And, you know, hopefully hopefully it doesn't come to ending the, their season. But, you know, when at the end of the day, they have to do what's best for them and they have to do what's best for, for their, their, their staff and players involved. So I would not, uh, I don't think anybody in their right mind would, would criticize this team if they had to step away for, for the remainder of the year. Let's be honest. It's only 20 plus games. So yeah, it's not like you're walking away from a whole season. It's not like you're, you're bowing out of an entire uh, campaign. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you want these players to be healthy and come back and, and have an opportunity to, to uh, play again and not not fall into a spot where they're like Staylock or or Rossi, where you know they're going to have long lasting um, long lasting effects from this uh, this virus. There's still so many unknowns, and that's the yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the and problem right now, and the way that he was playing too, he was he, like literally it was bubble Demko. He was he was giving them a chance to fight every single game before you know the uh, situation unfolded, having to go into full protocol. But yeah, five years, twenty five million for him good on him i mean he's putting up solid numbers 277 goals against average 917 save percentage he's one of the players that you know i don't believe he obviously they gave out a list of players who were affected i don't think i saw his name which is kind of a good sign but again protect everybody protect your younger players and you know what he's he's the goalie of the future right now there's no other way to put it so he's earned the contract again just hoping that he's safe and everybody else there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, you, you, we want to talk about more about the contract because it is important. But let's face it, the safety of him and everybody else is more important. So, yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And since we're on the on the page of signings, we're gonna jump right into a whole list of signings. We're gonna run through this as quick as possible. But we'll start with March twenty fifth. The New Jersey Devils signed Arnie uh, Talvidi to a two-year entry-level contract. Um, Cole Caulfield signed with Montreal for a three-year entry-level contract. David Ference, left defenseman, signed with Nashville on a two-year entry-level deal. Zach Fucali signed with Washington. Uh, lots of goaltending going around with the Capitals right now. Uh, we'll get to this one in a little bit. Alex Steves signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs on a three-year entry-level deal. Hunter Skinner signed his entry-level deal with the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Tyler Angle signed a three-year entry-level deal with Columbus. Peter Dilberatore signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. 
Mike Hardman signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Chicago Blackhawks. Liam O'Brien signed a one-year standard deal with the Colorado Avalanche, 25-year-old. Uh, hopefully, he gets a shot there. Tough to tough to see that happening with the way that they're uh, they're stacked up. Um, Jan Kuznetsov signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Calgary Flames. Keaton Middleton signed a two-year entry-level deal with the the Avalanche. Uh, Leighton Ahawk signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Knights. Zachary Hayes also signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Knights. Spencer Knight signed his three-year entry-level deal with the Florida Panthers. That's big news out of Florida as they could possibly move Drager at this point. Um, Three-year entry-level deal for Alex Newhook in Colorado. Again, the Colorado Avalanche just seemed to continue to build that unbelievable team they have out west. Uh, Jordan Kawaguchi signed a one-year entry-level deal with Dallas. Isaac Phillips signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Blackhawks. Obviously, we mentioned Thatcher Demko and his five-year deal with the Vancouver Canucks. Matt Kierstead signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Panthers. Matt Boldy signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Wild. Jacob Bernard Docker signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Sens. They also signed Shane Pinto to his three-year entry-level deal. Cam York signed a three-year entry-level with uh, the Flyers. Odine Tufto signed a one-year entry-level deal with uh, the Lightning. Corey Schooneman, sorry if I butchered that, signed a one-year deal with uh, Montreal. Not an entry-level deal. Obviously, he's 25 years old. Adam Scheel signed a two-year entry-level with the Stars. Scott Reedy signed a two-year entry-level with the Sharks. And Maxence Gouinet signed a three-year entry-level with the Sens. So lots of signings to go over this week, obviously. Any that stood out to you, obviously, it's good to get Pinto, Bernard Docker, Boldy, um, Newhook, Knight, all signed. Cole Caulfield looks like he's going to play for Laval of the AHL over the next uh, little while. Get him set for an NHL appearance, possibly by the end of the year. We're not sure, just speculating at this point in time. But um, some big names from the last uh, last couple drafts get their entry-level deals signed and uh, out of the way. Shout-out to Cap Friendly for that list of all recently signed players because that yeah. was a big list. And you know what? With the NCAA season coming to an end, I guess this was a perfect time for college free agents, draft picks that teams have selected to try and get them under their under in the in the system. And, you know, a lot of NCAA pro, uh, prospects, especially, um, you know, the main standouts are Bernard Docker, Pinto, Boldy, Caulfield, um, Alex Newhook as well, Spencer Knight. I think those are the top um, drafted NCAA players that they signed with their teams. But, yeah, um, I'm just going to start off with, uh, I think, Obviously, Cole Caulfield is big. I, I'm going to shout him out because of my, you know, Montreal Canadiens uh, family members. They're big fans, so I got to talk about Cole Caulfield. Um, you know, three years ELC, 52 points with Wisconsin, favorite to win the Hobie Baker Award. I mean, it's obviously not to like have him as like you know um, the main focus out of that whole entire group of recent signees. Um, it, it, like everyone was talking about how he had that poor world junior effort and Nick Robertson had a good one. And then everyone is talking about the Robertson Caulfield comparisons. Like, listen, I'm a Leaf fan too, but never count out Cole Caulfield, man, because he showed this year at the world juniors at the collegiate level that he is for real, his shot and his power. 
Um, despite being 5'7", he's a, he's a damn good player, man. And Montreal Canadiens have something special with him. There's, there's no other way around it. I mean, you can continue to talk about, oh, Nick Roberts is better than Cole Caulfield. Eh. Cole Caulfield was drafted in the first round, yes. Robertson has a similar skill set, but Cole Caulfield is... Uh, is on another level at this point in Nick Robertson. I hate I hate to say that, but it is the truth. Um, Spencer Knight, too, you know, goalie of the future for the Florida Panthers right there. And as you mentioned, Chris Drieger, um, what does this mean for him? Ch- the, their names or teams are probably calling about him. Are the Maple Leafs one of them? We'll see. But 932 save percentage with Boston College and a gold medal at the World Juniors. Didn't look like it was going to happen after he was pulled out, I believe, at his, uh, his first start, I think, against Russia. Uh, but, you know, a great finish to the tournament, and he was a standout for Team USA. So it went well for him at the juniors. It went well for him at college. And now he's got the contract under his belt. So those two, are, I think, are the ones that stand out to me. Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I mean, obviously the names that you mentioned are the ones that really stand out. Uh, they're kind of the ones that... We'll pay attention to down the road. Uh, like I mentioned, a lot of names going flying around that uh, that uh, that list there. But uh, like you said, shout out to Cal Friendly for that list. They do a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've reached the point now where they're actually hiring. So if you're looking yes. for a, a quick gig, get out uh, get out to Cal Friendly. Help them out. They do a phenomenal job for for guys like uh, Peter and myself uh, to stay in touch with everything that's going on. So. Get your resume out there. Get your resume out there. But, um, yeah, lots of teams looking to fill holes. Uh, and, and part of that is is coming from injuries that, uh, you know, we've seen over the last little while. I want to I jump over to the Aaron Ekblad injury. And, obviously, we talk yeah. about uh, players missing the year or teams having to drop out for the year. Aaron Ekblad did not look pretty. It Absolutely did not, not look pretty. Um, and I and I think anybody who watched the video and heard that scream, it's almost like earth shattering. Uh, the scream that he let out, uh, you knew right away that he was not uh, not in good shape. And yeah, just a tough injury for uh, for him and for the Florida Panthers, who are already light on the back end. Yeah, very cringy injury. I mean, we, we like we've seen injuries in the past of like everything slowed down and you see it happen right then and there. This was probably, this is probably the worst I've seen. I mean, his leg bent right back and you knew that, that the way that his fall, the impact and everything, it was probably going to be season ending. And if you, and like you mentioned, there is audio of the actual incident itself. Cause uh, at first it was just a 13 second clip of the actual injury, no audio on Twitter, but go into Sportsnet and seeing the video on their YouTube channel from the feed, um, it was it was bad. It was just as awful. And I think maybe because the fact that, you know, there weren't a lot of fans in the audience, you could hear everything on the broadcast from the ice. Like the mics are hot from the refs. Um, cameras are picking everything up like 100% of the time. And hearing his screams of pain like hearing the swearing, hearing the be like him saying, Oh God damn it. That hurts so much. And him smacking his hand on the ice, putting his arm around the trainer's like shoulder, grabbing onto his shirt, arm, what have you. That's gut wrenching. I mean, how can you not feel for a guy? I mean, in a regular broadcast, you wouldn't be able to hear what he's saying, but hearing it right now, that just takes it to a whole nother level. And it just rips your heart out because he was having an awesome season 
And the, the Panthers are having a great season as well. I mean, still are, but losing your captain at this point to an injury like that and hearing the pain and anguish on him, man, that's that's grueling. That's tough to hear, man. I I mean, I I almost broke down because I felt sorry for him. Yeah, I know. And for a guy at, uh, you know, 25 years old, having an unbelievable season with 22 points in 35 games, mm-hmm. um, it's just hard to see a guy go down like that. And you just hope that, you know, obviously he recovers well, comes back from injury, and he's able to uh, – get back to to how he was playing before but um anytime a player goes down with a leg injury like that it's it's you know it's tough to watch and um you mentioned it the way that it just kind of buckled under him um obviously Mm. you know it doesn't matter who it is you don't want to see that kind of injury for anybody because it that an injury like that could end up you know playing a a part in how a player's career ends up going so uh, obviously with, with Ekblad, we, we wish him well, and we hope, uh, that he's able to recover and, and come back quickly, but, uh, yeah, just not, not a pretty sight at all. And, and anybody who wanted to, wants to watch that video, I mean, you can go back and watch it, but it is cringeworthy, yeah. uh, to see, to see it buckle the way that it did. Even talking about it right now, I'm still like, you know, trying to look away, trying to shake my head at it. I know you can't see me if there was a camera involved, but it, it, it's, it was bad. But you know what? A good sign is that, you know, he waved his hand while he was being stretchered off to the fans to let him know that he appreciates it. He's doing okay. Well, I, he wasn't okay at that point because he's still in pain, but he appreciated the support from the fans no matter what. And anytime a player waves off, you, you, wanna, you obviously got to support it and you got to feel good that he's probably in good spirits at this point. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously teams are, are are trying to figure out ways to fill fill gaps, and and uh, you know, we we've talked a little bit about refing over the last uh, couple episodes here, and and you know the whole Tim Peel incident, which we talked about last episode, and um, was that since- news? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think my Twitter's probably mentioned Tim Peel about fourteen times since last week's episode. But oh man, uh, it's just it's so easy. Every every time there's a bad call, you can just throw it his way. But um, I want to quickly mention last night. I don't know if you saw it, the Montreal uh, Ottawa game and and Nikita Zaitsev slew foot on uh, Jesper uh, Um Just the the. The way he swept it underneath them, it just, man, it didn't look good. Um, called a two-minute minor, should have been a match penalty. Um, we've seen McDavid explode with an elbow to Kotkin Yemi's uh, head. Um, that was a $5,000 fine. We saw uh, Nathan McKinnon throw a helmet at uh, Connor Garland. That's a $500,000, or sorry, $5,000 fine. What's going on with the NHL right now? And I, I kind of made a joke when this happened, and I said, um, you know, if Tim Peel was out there, this wouldn't be happening. But um, <laughs> He'd be glad to make a penalty call at that point, no? Absolutely, absolutely. He would have said, look, I would have had him in the box 10 minutes ago before doing yeah. nothing. But um, are we at a point now where it's just they need to get back to the rule book and just start calling penalties? Are we – because for me specifically – I, I, it comes back to the Department of Player Safety. And you and I have had this discussion before with, um, you know, the consistency that they have. And for me, I understand who McDavid is to the game of hockey. That mm-hmm. said, an elbow to the head is an elbow to the head. To me, that's a one-game suspension, possibly a two-game suspension. The, <clears throat> McKinnon, the McKinnon thing, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like... 
I, I don't oh. get that. I don't get how it's a, you know, a small 5,000. Like, these guys are making millions. They're the top paid athletes in the in the game. At that point, it should be a percentage of their pay, not $5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about that there's there's guys out there who criticize the refereeing and they get fined twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Why are you throw a helmet at somebody, you know, throw it at their head and you're getting fined five thousand dollars? That's pennies. That's pennies. Especially for McDavid's contract, like five thousand dollars compared to like the contract that he makes. He paid that for his low roofs and his uh <laughs> or his low ceilings in his basketball court in his house. Yeah. That's nothing to him. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just getting more out of hand right now. Like, I mean, the the Zaitsev Slufa yesterday, like, yeah, that should be a, pe- a match penalty regardless. There's no, to me, aside from, like, you know, using your butt and the jab into somebody, um, you know, slew footing is probably, like, the most gutless thing that you could do. But e- even, like, the uh, Winnipeg Jets game on Friday night, Matthews gets uh, nailed into the boards. Uh, he takes out his uh, opponent. It looked like a clean hit. But then Andrew Kopp comes in, gets him in the numbers. Goes. It looked, it looked like a really bad hit. I thought he was injured on the plane. As he was skating away, uh, Brady uh, Tretanero uh, posted a video of Austin Matthews being taken down and yelling at the ref. And uh, I don't know if we have a censor bar, but you, just, you hear everything. You just say, you're fucking horrible. Like, you hear it right then and there that even players are getting sick and tired of the fact that they're letting so much fly and it's not even funny. I mean, in the case of, like, McDavid uh, throwing that elbow or McKinnon throwing his hel- throwing Connor Garland's helmet back right at him, I mean, yeah, you, you, you just mentioned it. Coaches get fined $25,000 for arguing with the ref, yet players can, you know— basically assault somebody and only get a $5,000 fine. That to me is ridiculous. And I'm just going to throw this out there. And this is, and people have been saying this quite a bit as well. And it should be noted. Would it still be a $5,000 fine if it was someone else that did that other than McKinnon and McDavid? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it's getting more severe and it's at the point now where you can't tolerate that kind of stuff even if it's a star player at this point, if that was like, we've seen Ovechkin get suspended before for, you know, bad hits as well. And he's like in up, uh, like chasing down Wayne Gretzky for the goal scoring record. I mean, he's a, he's a star player in this league to find McDavid and McKinnon $5,000 for what they did is a joke. And if you got to suspend them and you got to take a stand, if you're the NHL saying we want to protect our players, but at the same time, the, star players have to you know use their own common sense to figure out what's good and what isn't lifting your elbow up and chicken winning um winging kakaniemi uh, that to me that should be a suspension mckinnon using a helmet as a weapon that should be a suspension i mean it's all common sense and they're not doing their job properly i think they got to do a massive overhaul we talked about this last week um it's like no matter what happens, if you think it's a penalty, it's not going to be a penalty. If you think it's a suspension, it's not going to be a suspension. Why? NHL's refereeing. We all remember what Ty Domi got for chicken winging uh, Scott Niedermeyer. Oh, yeah. That was playoff games. And we all know yeah. how they value playoff games when when <clears throat> considering suspension. So, I mean, definitely, definitely, uh, you know, something to, to, to mention when we talk about uh, McDavid's play. But... 
Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was waiting for the Maple Leafs talk to kind of bring this up, but uh, obviously you you Jumped said up uh, a little bit. Yeah, that, tight, that's all right. That's all right. Um, obviously, you know, I I was sitting there with my wife watching the game, and and uh, we heard that, and all you hear is Gordon Miller come back and say, <laughs> "Okay," and then jump right back <laughs> into the game. But I mean, my good. <laughs> Good on Gordon Miller to just be like, okay, and now back to the game, you know? Like, that was – honestly, I think that was better than Austin Matthews telling the ref off. Oh, the best the best part about the whole thing is that, like, in, in broadcast, they tell you – they teach you to let the game breathe a little bit, right? Yeah. So, I think he was letting the game breathe a little bit. <laughs> and that that came up, and, and he, he played off it re- very, very well. So, very professional by Gordon Miller. But um, I, did, I did say to my wife, I said – I don't know who that who said that. I want to know who said that. And then I kind of watched the play again the next day and saw that uh, you know Matt like I saw the Matthews hit originally, um, and it's it's interesting because the Winnipeg uh, commentators were saying that you know he dove into the boards and um, it, it, in my head I'm thinking you know what regardless uh, regardless of if he dove or not yeah when you when you lead into a hit with your stick first in the lower part of somebody's back. And they are sitting two to three feet out from the boards. What do you think is going to happen? Don Cherry talked about this all the time. It's one Mm. of the most dangerous plays in hockey. Yeah. Forget the elbows. Forget the hits to the head. It is one of the most dangerous plays in hockey because you can break a player's neck the way they go into the boards. So for that play to be, be what it was, there was no call on the play. And the Winnipeg commentators come out and say that he dove into the boards. I mean, man, you're putting your safety in in the hands of somebody else if you're going to dive in like that. Why would so, a player risk diving into a boards and an injury? Like not get that, not get his hands up. He, yeah, he didn't have his hands up. That makes no sense. But I, I mean, it all comes back to the 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 refereeing. When there's not calls to to, I'm not saying you need a ref to to choose the outcome of the game. Okay, that was Tim Peel's job. He no longer has it. Um, I'm, I'm mentioning, I want refs to, to police the game a little bit. That's your job. Your job is to police the game. Make sure it doesn't get out of hand. I would not have been surprised to see a $5,000 fine for Matthews. If he turned around and broke his stick over that player's leg. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't get fined for telling the ref off. And that's what, but that's what we're coming to. That's what we're coming to is we're going to come to a, a point where, Players get hit into the boards like that. They're going to turn around and break their stick over the other player. Then we're ta- Then we're having a completely new discussion. Yeah. I mentioned this last week, too. If if in that uh, Winnipeg or uh, Toronto game or any other game that was being played over the weekend, if there was a major discrepancy in penalties, like if one pe- team got seven penalties and they deserved every single penalty, trip, hook, hit from behind, whatever have you, and the only and the other team only had two. What, don't balance it out. The team caused the infractions of the most of the seven penalties compared to the other two. They were more disciplined. They did. They weren't. It's simple as that. They deserve the seven penalties. There's no reason to call five other penalties that are like very questionable or don't have any merit to being called whatsoever to try and balance the outcome of the game. That's not what you're there to do. And you said it. Police it a little bit tighter. Make sure that everything is, you know, being followed by the rule book. You have it there for a reason. If you throw that out the window, it's just fair game. You don't even know what to call anymore. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I fully agree with you there. And uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here, because I think I think we're really starting to see the game kind of fall apart a little bit. Yeah. And it's it's going to end up hurting the game rather than helping it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Um, what's interesting is from all this talk about, you know, refereeing and all that kind of stuff. Dubinsky, Brandon Dubinsky, former NHLer, came out with a, a, a hot take on who he would rather have on his team, Crosby yeah. or Ovechkin. And he went Ovechkin. And his comments there were because he felt that Crosby was a big whiner and never really put his head down and just played the game the way that Ovechkin did. Um, Interesting... What came from it, Jeff Merrick uh, from Sportsnet uh, did come out and say, you know, that's one thing that Crosby did say early on in his career is that, you know, he would obviously like to like to take back how much he whined early on in his career. Um, And obviously, you know, young players, you're looking you're supposed to be the top dog in the league and, and you're looking for calls. It doesn't always go your way. Um, So, you know, you do see some whining from time to time, but I'm interested to to. You know, if you were starting a team right now, or let's say in their prime, Crosby or Ovechkin for you? Crosby. I mean, I, I, as as simple as it is, Sidney Crosby, yeah, Ovechkin could score, but let's face it, Crosby could do a whole lot more than just score. And I, and we've seen Ovechkin take that, you know, sort of step in becoming more of a well-rounded player later on in his career. But that didn't happen until, like, you know, maybe 2014, 2015. Crosby was this kind of player his whole entire career. And whether you thought that he complained too much early on, yeah, okay, yeah, everybody hated that. Like, who didn't? But let's face it, every star player in every single league, they complain all the time. You see it in baseball. You see it in basketball. You see it in soccer, football. You see everywhere. Players are complaining about calls, non-calls, missed calls on, like, quarterbacks, uh, star players, everyone. And to only just single out Cindy Crosby like that just doesn't add up at all because you always have people complaining in any sport, in every sport. Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think Crosby's got a more of an all-around game. He doesn't hit the way that uh, Ovechkin can, but his effort level has been 100% since day one. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been times I'm not criticizing Ovechkin. I think Ovechkin's a phenomenal player, and I think yeah. his numbers are, are, tell the tale regardless of who you are. Um, but I do think that there were times over his career where the effort level maybe hit 75 rather than 100. Mm-hmm. And and I think that for me does justify <clears throat> putting Crosby as number one. Yeah, you know what? There's there's whining involved, and I've played I've played with players who whine a lot and look for calls. And oh yeah. There, there's certain some people just do that. They don't put their head down and play the game as you know. Maybe they look for a call and maybe 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 they felt a stick and and wanted you know wanted the hook or wanted the trip or what have you. But at the end of the day, I mean, what Crosby is able to do offensively and what he's able to do without the puck, um, I mean, take the whining out and he's he's easily the number one player. Uh, Still the best player. Yeah, I, I get I get where where Dubinsky's coming from, but I I know that Dubinsky also had it out for Crosby as well, and I think there's a lot of a lot of uh, animosity animosity between the two of them. Uh, He's from still holding that grudge from the playoff series. Absolutely, absolutely. 
but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, interesting discussion. And, and if you're a listener, we obviously would be interested in hearing what your take is on that matter. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's much more that we can say about it, but uh, I, I do think that it's an interesting take. And uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, shoot us a shoot us a tweet and let us know what you think. Ovechkin or Crosby, who would you start your team with? But uh, going off of that, did anybody see the Mackenzie Blackwood save from earlier in the week? Oh, yeah. The toe yeah. save right on the line that any – I mean, he kicked it out. He kicked yeah. it out of the net. But it has to be – it has to be easily candidate for save of the year. Easily. Yeah. The thing, the thing was, and you heard it like the Bruins broadcast too. Like even they were like, whatever you feel about the Bruins broadcast, um, they were even questioning that did it fully cross the line or not because that was so, so close. And in the dying moments, he like, like I don't understand how goalies are able to stretch. I, I, I just probably have poor reflexes, but. It was an amazing save. Even if it did count, the effort to try and keep it out, I probably would have torn something if I was in that net. The fact that he stretched out to kick it out, oh my god, that was unbelievable. But yeah, was that a goal though? You don't know. I think it was really, really close that it could have gone either way. But I think maybe there was just like a little sliver of the puck still on the red line where it didn't fully cross, and I think they overturned it. But, man, that was a crazy outcome, crazy sequence, and crazy save. Yeah, I know, absolutely. And uh, just goes to show you why this kid was so highly coveted uh, when his draft year uh, was that, you know, he is a goalie that has the potential to be a, a phenomenal starter in this game, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do moving forward. Mm-hmm. I Before we get to Maple Leafs talk, I do want to quickly talk to you about um, – two teams that are really struggling to get things going this year. Yeah. The Buffalo Sabres and the the, Philo- the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Flyers just seem to be falling off the map uh, one loss at a time. Obviously, last night, a shootout loss to the the Islanders. Um, but uh, on, on the flip side of that, you've got the Buffalo Sabres, who we love to bash on this, on this podcast <laughs> just because they are playing so poorly. Um, but... If anybody saw it, the Jeff Skinner breakaway <laughs> without a stick, I, I, I kind of, I, I tweeted it out afterwards, and I just said, you know, this is this is just so Sabers. Um, not only is their highest, one of their highest paid players, uh, who who's not living up to the contract, getting a breakaway, but it happens to be without a stick. Um, yeah. What you know? Did you see that? And man, what were your thoughts on on that and those two teams? I mean, that basically just sums up the year, right? Nothing's going right for them. I mean, yeah, the, I mean, it goes on from like COVID to injuries to 18 game losing streaks to getting a breakaway and, you know, having not, not even so much with a stick at that point as well. It's like, oh my God, man, can can something just go right their way? And luckily it did because they needed a win, but it like... As much as you want to like be like continue to bash them and say like what is going on, they needed that win to break the streak, and that game against the Flyers where they had the lead and lost it in overtime, and 
that to me is a real deal breaker for the team. But they didn't let that deter them because they had the lead. They know that they probably can do it. And they bounced back with probably their best game of the season, 6-1. So, you know what? Good on them. They needed something positive to boost their spirits because, man, this season has just been a total wreck. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, obviously, you know, the Flyers, the Flyers are more of a surprise to me than Buffalo. But yeah, uh, you mentioned it. They've kind of gone through a bit of a struggle in, in terms of, you know, COVID and everything else this year. And and Carter Hart just not does not seem like the Carter Hart that played last year. So it'll be interesting, um, obviously, if if they can turn things around and they, they they'll have to do so quickly. As for Buffalo, we kind of know what what to expect from Buffalo at this point in the year. Uh, Jack Campbell has more wins than the Buffalo Sabres. And, uh, yeah, I mean, go, go, Buffalo. Uh, it's just not uh, it's not turning out the way that you guys uh, saw it happening. So um, I just looked back and watched the clip of Jeff Skinner. And, man, that yeah, talk about bad luck. I mean, you, you literally can't even kick it into the net. So there's yeah. nothing you can do. And there's three, nothing you can do. Three, Three players are converging on him. Like yeah. he's trying to kick it back to someone with the stick so it could actually get in, but it's like, man, oh, that's yeah. It's yeah. just so Buffalo. It's just so yeah. Buffalo. Um it, Yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't know. But uh I'm baffled. Yeah. Um a little bit of Canada talk. Roberto Longo, uh World Hockey Championship GM for Canada. That's expected to be announced. Um, on top of that, the can uh, the Canadians named their under 18 roster and Connor Bedard is on the team. Um, should be an exciting tournament for them. And we're hoping to get a guest on hopefully in the next couple of weeks to discuss that, um, going forward. Uh, we won't say who just in case we don't get them, but, uh, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun to watch that Canadian squad as they go for, uh, go for gold at the under 18s. He is 22. He has 22 points in 12 games. Yeah. Um, Think about that. A 15 year old, 22 points, just under two points per game. It's crazy because there's a graph out there right now showing Matvey uh, Mitchkov. It's it's all the 2023 uh, draft eligible players. I think the top four, Fantilli was on there as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's showing their point per game. Um, as they uh, throughout the the year so far, and what's crazy is that everyone was watching Mitchkov before the season started for Bedard and saying, "Well, well the, how unreal this kid is as a 15 year old." And then B- Bedard started playing in the WHL, and all of a sudden, everyone's talking about this kid could potentially or is better than Matt Vay Mitchkov, um, and how unreal that is to, to to make a statement like that. So. Um, man, 2023, if you want to be a bad team in the NHL at that point, that's the year to do it because not only are they changing the lottery rules for you, so you have Mm -hmm. a better chance at number one, but there is a lot of talent in that top four. And even 2022 with Shane Wright possibly being the number one pick. So there's also that him added to the team, two underage players at the U18s, both exceptional status, but I'm just going to throw this out. If this was a regular 68-game season for the WHL, Connor Bedard would be on pace. I, 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 I'm not going to say the number just yet. I want to. What do you think he would be on pace for? Sorry, if this is a regular 68-game season with the pace that he has 22 points right now in 12 games, 
what do you think he like his total points would be at the end of 68 games? I'm going 107. 125. Oh, I was close. It was 124.6, <laughs> but I'm rounding up to 125. 15 years old, 125 points. You look back at I looked back at Connor McDavid's first year and uh, Shane Wright's first year. Both of them didn't even crack 70. I mean, Shane Wright probably would have if the season wasn't canceled. But Connor McDavid, I believe, 66 points. And I believe Shane Wright had the exact same. And those two are pretty good, exceptional, exceptionally status players. So, so what you're saying, what you're saying is Connor McDavid is no longer the best player in the NHL or in the world, I should say. Um, you said that, not me. <laughs> um, but I, I, it's interesting. It's great to see that man. How how is this possible? And I know we're focusing too much on Connor Bedard because there is a lot of firepower on this roster. Because there's Brendan Othman, there's uh, Francesco Pinelli, there's Dylan Genther, there's Cole Sillinger. All four having tremendous seasons right now, and. I'm sorry, the focus is and should be on these guys because they're absolutely amazing. And I don't I don't know if this is a coincidence or anything like that, but this is WHL and OHL heavy with a couple of USHL players on this team. I don't know if the, I'm pretty sure it's because of the fact that the QMJHL is still in the midst of their seasons, possibly finishing off their season, going into the playoffs where maybe at this point they wanted to focus on players that really haven't gotten a chance because there are a few players on Team Canada that didn't play as much as they would hope to. But now they're still getting that opportunity with the players that they have and other players still making a name for themselves in this upcoming draft. So I just found that very something that, you know, should be noted. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, obviously, you know, we'd love to talk to uh, talk about every each and every player. Hell, we'd love to get each and every player on the show. Yes. Uh, but uh, obviously that's not not going to happen. Um, but very exciting. As I mentioned, the tournament's going to be incredible uh, taking taking place in Texas. Uh, the U18s, everybody look forward to that. Uh, as I mentioned, if you're if you're a listener, um, watch for Canada because this team is going to be unbelievable. You're going to see a lot of future NHLers play at this level, and you're going to be able to see what exactly they're able to do uh, with that puck. And it's and it, it is truly unbelievable. Not to mention, you have Carson Coleman's, Brent Clark, and Carson Lambos on this team as well. Yeah, and uh, great news for Carson Lambos who uh, had suffered an injury. So this is a great opportunity for him uh, heading into you know, what should be a big draft day for, for, for Lambo. So uh, definitely a, a big note for him. Yeah. Draft on my rankings, but this is a good opportunity for him to try and push back into that top 10. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, with that, we should jump over to our Maple Leafs. Um, I think we should. Obviously we talked about the, your fucking horrible comment that was made uh, in this week's game. Um, <laughs> I'm still laughing at that. I, I mean, okay. everybody was just like, wow. <laughs> I Like, we knew angers were going to, or tempers were probably going to flare after that because it did look pretty bad. But man, if yeah. that was, I, I mean, it, again, Brady uh, in his tweet said, uh, it, it quoted Austin Matthews saying that if it is, man, whole, don't, Pick a fighter. Don't piss Austin Matthews off, man. 
No, no, I think he's got a little bit more juice than he lets on uh, during the game. But um, yeah, I, we talked about it on on uh, the Hockey Writers Maple Leafs Lounge uh, this past episode, uh, which should be, I believe, it just hit the airways right now. So you can check that out on YouTube or yes. on Facebook. Um, Maple Leafs Lounge. We talked about Zach Hyman and what he means to this team and and what they will do to sign him following this year. I said that I think he takes a hometown discount, maybe looks at four, four and a half million over five to six years in a no movement clause, guaranteeing that he stays with this core. The old prof who writes for the hockey writers as well mentioned that uh, Zach Hyman is not, it's not a core four in Toronto. It's a core five. Yeah. And that Zach Hyman is a major part of that core five. I'm interested because Zach Hyman right now sits sixth on the uh, Maple Leafs in scoring. Uh, 26 points, I believe, in 35 games or 34 games. Um, so I'd like to see him stick around. I'm a huge Zach Hyman fan. Obviously writes books for kids, so that I'd love to get those those books for my kid. <laughs> um, but uh, a guy that he's just so modest at 28. Obviously, we've talked about it before. We brought him in for Greg McKegg. Um, great mm-hmm. deal on, on, on the part of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But yeah, 24 points in 35 <clears> games <throat> this season, 12 goals. He has 176 points in 337 career games with the Leafs. But one of the biggest notes for him is that he is a penalty killer. He has underrated speed and he makes every line that he plays on 10 times better than what they are. Yeah. What do the Leafs do to get this guy locked up for I don't I don't know five four five six years and we met and uh this was a really great topic of discussion on that episode um this is this is it is difficult I mean let's face it over an 82 game season I'm looking at hockey reference right now he's on pace for his career best of 56 points 28 goals 28 assists this is a guy that's been going up and down the lineup one two three Top nine, and he's closing in on 30 goals, potentially, if this was a full season. If he stays healthy, no injuries whatsoever, bam, 28 goals, 56 points. And honestly, oh, man, I don't know. I think you try and let him know that, hey, we want you to be a big part. You could mention the, the um, you know, hometown discount. I mean, Toronto boy. Um, hopefully maybe he does take it. Cause if he gets anything less than 4 million, sorry, I should, I should probably say five because that's where like even D- Darren Dreger reported that maybe 5 million is probably going to be the set price. If you get him less than 5 million, holy, that's a win. Because again, this is a guy who does everything. And you mentioned that we have like, you know, the core four or whatever, we're so quick to not put Zach Hyman into that discussion early on because of the point production. Um, but you know what? Out of his six-year career, he has hit 40 points twice. Would have hit it last year if possibly the season continued. Would have definitely smashed his uh, record if there was an, a, a full 82-game season. And Kevin brought up a really great point. The expansion draft is coming up. 
how are you going to try and get that leverage and try and say, hey, we want to keep them? And he asked me that question, and I stumbled quite a bit because that is a very good one. Because if they let him go, and I and I think Toronto, and I said this, I think Toronto's going to learn their lesson. Last time, they didn't give up quite a whole bit. They gave up Brandon Leipzig as he was drafted uh, by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. This time right now, they're going to do everything in their power to try and keep someone like Zach Hyman and not protect an Alex Kerfoot, a Travis Dermott, or Justin Hall, possibly. Because if Zach Hyman goes over there, I think this guy's a 50, 60 point guy over there consistently, maybe 60 plus if he gets that opportunity. And I know that maybe sounded like a bit of a stretch, but we're seeing 56 points in an 82 game season where he's going up and down the lineup now. Imagine if he's getting consistent top six minutes, power play, penalty kill, shorthanded points. Seattle's going to have a really great player on their hand, and it would be a big mistake if Toronto let them go, let him go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, what what drives that money up a little bit is the conversation that uh, was brought up on TSN the other night about the potential of him being a part of Team Canada's Olympic team. And and obviously we yeah. we understand that it's a bit of a stretch. We we understand that mm-hmm. you know this is not a guy that would be your prototypical Olympian per se. Um, that said, I brought up the point on Maple Leafs Lounge that Shane Doan made the team back in 2006. And yes, Shane Doan was the captain in uh, in Arizona. Shane Doan has had a lengthy career. Shane Doan is Shane Doan. That said, Shane Doan never scored over 78 points in his career. Shane Doan had 78 points once in his career. And aside from that, Shane Doan was a player who realistically was maybe a 50 to 60 point guy. He twice, he hit the 70 point plateau. Aside from that, he had three uh, or sorry, four other 60 point seasons. Yeah. That said, those were deeper into his career as well. His first six seasons in the NHL, 17 points with Winnipeg. 12 points with Phoenix, 11 points with Phoenix, 22 points with Phoenix, 51 points with Phoenix, 51 points in his fifth season, and then finally 63 points in 2000, 2001. Yeah. By the time he was an Olympian in 05, 06, his highest point total was 68 points. <clears throat> he'd, only, he'd only scored 27 goals as his career high. In an 82-game... Uh, season, as you mentioned, Hyman is on pace for 28 goals. Is it out of this world, out of this realm, to think that a guy who can kill penalties, who can score um, shorthanded goals, who can be a force at all areas of the game, who can bring that much energy to any line that he plays on, is it a stretch to say that he is potentially considered for an olympic spot it's i don't it is it definitely is a stretch i mean there's no other and i mentioned the fact that you know there's so much depth on team canada right now where centers are going to be playing wing and everything like that that you don't know exactly if his roster is set in stone could they overlook somebody and put hyman on absolutely what are the chances i don't know 
I, I think it's still a very, very small risk that he is on the Olympic team. But you know what? To have him on a World Senior Hockey Championship roster, um, I don't know if that's going to happen this year, if they make a deep playoff push or not. But in the next year or so, down the line, he could definitely be a very valuable leader on a senior team at the World Hockey Championships. And... Again, I'm, I'm, this is what I said on there, that that's more of a realistic chance for Zach Hyman than it is to make the Olympics because it is going to be a best on best. But let's face it, if they want somebody that's a full package and they are dead set on taking somebody, I think Zach Ham- Hyman is your guy. Shout out to Roberto Luongo on getting him on the World Hockey Championship team. That is if the Leafs are not in a deep playoff push. That's sorry, right. he's, that's correct. Sorry, Lou, he's ours for now. But uh, for me, like I, I would even consider him making an, him an extra on the Olympic team. And Absolutely. I know this, I know this sounds crazy, and I know it sounds like every every other fan base is gonna call us out and be like, "You guys are ridiculous for even considering it. You guys are just biased." It, it, it's not biased. It's the fact that we get to see his game so often. Yeah, we get to see what he brings to the Leafs lineup. Consider this: he's the fourth highest scoring Leaf right now in terms of uh, goals scored, behind just Matthews. Uh, Marner and Nylander and he's only one shy of Marner and Nylander for for second on the team in in goal scored this year that to me just shows you what he's been able to do and he hasn't been consistently playing with one single line he's played on the first line he's played on the second line he's played on the third line with um, Engvall and uh, Mikheyev like this is a guy who's been up and down the lineup but has found chemistry with every single player that he has played with yeah. That is that is Zach Hyman. And that's why, you know what? Yeah, he's 28 years old, but his underlying speed on the big ice surface, his ability to kill penalties, his ability to be a force with every single player that he plays with is why I I would not say it's out of this realm to think that he could be a potential um sniff at uh at the uh, at the Olympic level. He's a guy that could have the potential to be there and and I, I don't think it's ridiculous to think that he has that ability to play on the uh, at the Olympic level. Absolutely not. And looking at his stats on Metro Statrick right now, second behind Austin Matthews in expected goals for uh, high danger chances for second behind Austin Matthews with 62.10 high danger goals for he is first. When he is on the ice, the team has had a nine when the team has scored 19 high danger goals for he has been on the ice for 19 of them or has had a major part in that with 70.37% on ice shooting percentage for him. It's pretty high considering the fact that, you know, is it sustainable or not, but he's ranked fourth in 10.38. I mentioned last or heading into the playoffs that Zach Hyman was going to be crucial for them because he was on a, having a career year on a banter piece that we were working on. Um, I believe it was head in July, and I thought that Zach Hyman was going to be pretty critical. Or uh, I believe I don't want to. I think it was me that wrote about Zach Hyman. I'm going to have to go and look back on that. If I'm wrong, I will correct myself next week. <laughs> but there, you can't argue or deny the fact that he has had a significant impact on this team, whether it is with the Leafs right now. And those numbers, if he was driving a line of Pierre Engvall and Ilya Mikheyev, and I'm not a knock against uh, Pierre Engvall because you know, second season, still finding his groove. Um, 
just hasn't looked right at center. And Ilya Mikheyev, we know how snake-bitten he has been with all the chances he's had, the wrist injury that he sustained last year. Zach Hyman is the factor in drive was dri- in driving that line. He was the catalyst to get them up uh, another goal against the Winnipeg Jets in that Thursday game or Wednesday game. Yes, Wednesday game. Then he came out, shot out of a cannon, getting all those chances against the Winnipeg Jets again. He is definitely worth the conversation. Again, whether they pick him or not, but if you think that he deserves a spot as sort of like a taxi squad reserve extra, I have no problem with that at all because he has earned the right to be there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, just to go off of that, currently tied for 85th all-time on the uh, Maple Leafs in scoring. Um, 176 points, as I mentioned, in 337 games. Um, Tied with John Tavares right now, who has 176 and 182 games. But think of these names that he's going to jump over in the next little while. Joffrey Lupel, Jonas Hoagland, Howie Meeker, um, Ace Bailey, uh, is at 192, so he's just 16 points back. He will likely pass Ace Bailey at some point uh, this season before the season's out. These are some big names. And, you know, they maybe they didn't play their entirety of their career with Toronto, but there's some big names that had great opportunities with the, with the Leafs. Zach Hyman is one of those guys. And you're not even talking about Zach Hyman, who is 100% offensive. This is not a guy who's 100% offensive. You're putting him out there at times where he's playing shorthanded. A lot of his ice time is coming shorthanded and against the other team's uh, best lines. This is a guy that deserves consideration, period. That's mm-hmm. it. No yeah. questions asked. We're not biased. We're we're literally stating that this guy deserves recognition. I think what he would add to an Olympic squad would be more than adding another top five pick from five drafts ago. Yeah. That's just my opinion. You mentioned Jonas Hoagland. I think that's one name that's maybe a lot of Lee fans would like to forget at this point. But man, um, yeah, I mean, him just like being a part of that discussion right now and being and jumping over all these players in Maple Leaf history book says a lot about him. I mean, it's it. it it, it it's it's amazing. It really is, considering the fact that he's not a sniper like Austin Matthews. He's not a playmaker like Mitch Marner. He's his own player, and he's doing a fantastic job playing the way that he is at right, at this moment. Yeah, puts his head down and just grinds every every game, every shift. He's out there just grinding, and I think that's that's what uh, you know sets him apart from a lot of players in the in the game right now. Definitely. Um, that said, a uh, couple of quick notes. Zach Bogosian recorded his 200th NHL assist. Uh, sorry, 200th NHL point, I should say, not assist, on the Travis Go- uh, Dermott uh, goal in the second period the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it was an assist, which which is why I was a little uh, flustered there with that one. <laughs> um, also worth noting, Jason Spezza, joined the top 100 all-time point getters in the NHL Mm -hmm. with his assist on that same goal. Um, Yeah, I mean, top 100 names that he's approaching right now, five back of Nicholas Backstrom, who is still currently playing, um, six back of Maurice the Rocket Richard, 
Uh, just 12 points back of the aforementioned Shane Doan for 97th all-time. Qu- very quickly approaching some big names. Andy Bathgate's right there with 973. Uh, Ryan Getzlav, 980. Dave Keon, 986. So some big names, some former Leafs. Um, just crazy for Jason Spezza. Ooh, top 100 all-time in points for uh, at the NHL level. So big news for him as well. Man, congratulations. And I just hope he hits that thousand point mark. I want to see that as a, in, in, with him as a Leaf. Let him retire as a Maple Leaf. Let's keep signing him to the minimum. Having yes. him there. Like, think about what he's doing right now. It's unbelievable for him to be doing what he's doing with the, the amount of ice time that he gets. It's just, I mean, it's 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 ludicrous. Uh, he's got 20 yeah. points in 36 games, and he's he's averaging probably just around 10 minutes a game. So... Um, yeah, big, big for Jason Spezza. And he's, he's been a force for that, uh, that Maple Leaf squad so far. Want to note that, um, Dubas did mention, Dubas came out and talked a little bit about, uh, trading a top prospect like Sandine, like Robertson. Uh, both have started to skate again. Robertson is back in game action, but Dubas talking about potential, uh, uh, trade opportunities and whether he would trade a guy like Sandine or Robertson, he did mention that if he were to trade one of those top end guys, it would have to be a massive deal and a deal yeah. that would benefit the Toronto Maple Leafs <clears> in any <throat> way. So um, that is is worth noting. Um, that was on Maple Leafs hot stove. He did talk about it how it would have to be a significant deal. Um, they are not opposed to trading somebody like that, but it would uh, it would come down to whether or not it would benefit the Leafs in a big way. Um, so I, I, I personally don't see it happening. Um, I, I think you're more likely to see a guy like Dermott or a guy like Hall or a guy like Kerfoot out before you see a guy like Robertson or um, Sandine on the move. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be opposed to trading those if it did benefit them as well. Shout out to Maple Leaf Hot Soul for, you know, doing a great job transcribing, you know, the interviews that come out with players, coaches, and this one with Dubas. And, yeah, um, it's interesting that he brought up both uh, San, uh, Sandine and Dubas and the fact that he said that um, we expect both guys to be big parts of our club for a long time. Previously before... When he said that he was willing to trade a top prospect, it was reported that I think the only untouchable was Rasmus Sandin. And you know how much we love Rasmus Sandin, you know, with, uh, you know, what he did at the World Juniors uh, a couple, a few seasons ago. Um, his uh, play, despite playing five minutes, look, the season looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think I might be looking way too much into this, but... The fact that he said both players are going to be big for us down the road, I think maybe he have hinted that maybe Nick Robertson is off the table unless something big does come up. But I know I put out a poll saying that, you know, which prospect is, you know, most likely to be dealt after the Rasta Sandin comment or report. And Nick Robertson was... One of the ones where, or Timothy Lilligren, I think, was the one that was leading the charge. I think Nick Robertson was the least amount, which makes sense. But I think with this comment right now, um, I think both players are untouchable. 
And I think right now you're looking at someone possibly like if he's looking to deal somebody as a top prospect, I think it could be Rodin Amirov. Maybe Timothy Lilligren. I don't know. I think that would be a big mistake as we talked about before. But I think that that line alone, I think he said subliminally, subliminally, sorry, I can't speak, that both players are, you know, I'm not even going to think about moving them unless you wow me. Yeah, yeah, no, and it would have to be, like I said, it would have to be a significant deal. Um, Toronto would have to be bringing back a top six forward or top two defenseman, and in my opinion, if you're moving uh, guys like that are going to have big roles in your future. So I don't see it happening, um, but, you know, Dubis, Dubis is never never ceased to amaze me. So I wouldn't, uh, I, like I said, I wouldn't say it's off the table. I would say it's highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, with the current Leafs right now, obviously there's two big things to talk about. Jack Campbell, eight no record, continues to shine for the, the the Maple Leafs. On the other side, your your power play woes, and you know, oh for the last 26 on the power play, and a team that has that kind of firepower. Again, we talked about both on the this past Maple Leafs lounge. But uh, your thoughts on the power play, your thoughts on Jack Campbell possibly becoming the Toronto Maple Leafs starter for the remainder of the year? <sighs> Honestly, roll with him. I mean, as good as Frederick Anderson has been in the past, he has not been at the level that the team probably expects of him to play. And I know he's been dealing with a lot at this point, the injuries, the inconsistencies, I get that. But if he were to come back, and he, they decide to give him, you know, maybe two or three starts, and it's very subpar. How can you expect to go far with a goalie that maybe he puts up? He has a save percentage of below nine hundred in all three games. Compare yeah. that to what Jack Campbell is doing right now. Who is the better goalie? Jack Campbell. Simple as that. I mean, there is no argument, and I'm seeing quite a lot, a bit of this recently, especially after he won his eighth game in a row. There is, there should be no goalie controversy right now. Jack Campbell should be the starter going forward, and I get the love for Frederick Anderson. I love Freddie as much as the other person, but you got to take a look at what's happening right now. It's not good enough to win a game, and when he does, and when he is, it's 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 a weird situation with him because when he's on his best it seems like the team in front of him isn't playing well but when he isn't and the team is playing well it's a completely different story so yeah. right now it's 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 a weird situation but you know what you can't discredit the fact that you know Jen Ca jack campbell's playing great hockey you have to go with him and i'm going to quote alex hobson our co-writer for the leafs you go with the hot hand. You go with Jack Campbell. And Jack Campbell is the hot hand right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I think injury, you're a little nervous with Jack Campbell when it comes to injury right now. You want him oh, to be 100%. 100% as well. So they're playing it safe, letting, giving him practice days off, which is huge, uh, giving him the time to kind of uh, bounce back after big games. And, and I mean, anybody who saw the, the latest game against the Jets, we're recording on Sunday. So obviously... The game was uh, the other night, but what he, what the saves he came up with in that third period where the, the 
the Maple Leafs seem to shut down in front of him and not play the type of game that they're they're they have been playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he came up with some huge saves, and then again in the uh, the shootout, just stood his ground, uh, getting his first shootout win of his career. Um, I think just his athleticism has has been what's drawn me in, and this is not a knock on Freddie. I am a huge Freddie fan. I would love yeah. to see him come back and, and bounce back and have, have a good playoff run with the Leafs. I just think right now, Jack Campbell has shown more athleticism. I wouldn't say I got a comment from a, uh, uh, somebody on Twitter saying that he's been more positionally sound than Anderson. I don't, I wouldn't say that's the case. I think Anderson is very positionally sound. Um, I do think he's been playing hurt a little bit and that's hurt, but mm-hmm. um, I do feel that, uh, uh, you know, Jack Campbell's just been so much more athletic the way that he's been able to get across the net and, and play that kind of kind of game that that Toronto's been looking for. Um, you know, for him to be 8-0, 135 uh, goals against, a 951 save percentage. I mean, I know Philip Grubauer is doing great in Colorado, but you have got to consider Jack Campbell as a potential Vesna winner if uh or candidate if he continues this run for the maple leafs uh just incredible numbers um and and he's playing like the guy who was taken 11th overall in 2010 by dallas uh he's starting to play that game and i think that's what people are seeing and and for him um you know what a confidence booster for him to to be playing like he is um on top of that you know he came on the TV for his post game interview uh, following that Jets win, and and my wife turned to me and said, uh, you know, he's not that bad looking. So <laughs> uh, you, you you've got the uh, you've got the uh, sign of approval from uh, from Mrs. Forbes over here in uh, in London, Jack. So just stay away from my home, and uh, we'll be good to go. <laughs> um, he's got that flow. He's got the smile. He's got everything. I mean, he's got everything. Um, uh, just. Just to quickly backtrack for a quick second, when we were talking about Hyman, about that uh, playoff performer, it, it was me that talked about Hyman in our banter piece, and you talked about Kyle Clifford heading into that Columbus series. But just to, I wrote an article about back in September about four least poised for a breakout season, and obviously I was right on two out of the four. I had Rasmus Sandin and Nick Robertson. I was hoping big things to come from them this season. Obviously, injuries, being sent down to the minors, the whole taxi squad thing made it a little bit difficult for them. I was trying to be very hopeful, but if they got into the lineup, they would play well. My other two, I'm, I'm going to start off with the one we both talked about him today. Zach Hyman, two-game season, he would have been on pace to smash his record. And I, and we, and I said that before to get 56 points in 82 games as for Zach Hyman's uh, player or his caliber is great. The other one is Jack Campbell. So I, I, again, it was probably obvious at that time, but the fact that I got two out of the four this season and two of them are like major standouts at this point, I don't, I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but like I was right for, you know, the second time in possibly my life on anything that I have predicted. Always pump those tires. Whenever <laughs> you're right, always pump those tires. No, I'm, very, 
I'm a very modest guy. Like, <laughs> I, like if something does happen, I'm like, oh yeah, cool. But this time, I like, yeah, I, I have to celebrate about this because I mean, it was. You could say that it was bound to happen, especially for Jack Campbell. But man, the numbers that we are seeing right now is proof that man, he's shattering expectations. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think what he's been able to do so far, and he's a guy that builds off of confidence. When he's confident, he's playing well, and and I think we've seen that. We've been able. The team is playing well in front of him. Um, I don't think that I don't think Anderson's lost the room as as some have mentioned on my recent Jack Campbell article yeah. over at the Hockey Writers. But I do think that uh, they are seeing what Jack's willing to put forward. And I think he's, uh, you know, he's putting forward the same effort and very, as you talked about modest, uh, he's a very modest guy, gives all the credit to uh, his teammates. And I, I think that's a huge, huge plus for a goaltender. So um, we'll they look forward to see each other really well. I'm going to say that they do feed off each other extremely well. And yeah. uh, obviously a back to back this weekend, starting tonight, Sunday night with the Calgary flames. We'll talk about that next episode. But it looks as though Michael Hutchinson will get the start tonight. Jack Campbell is expected to start tomorrow, um, assuming everything is going well with him health-wise. Yes. It should be a great series. We look forward to talking about it next week. Aside from that, I want to thank you all again for joining us. I know it's Easter weekend. I know we're heading Mm -hmm. into the, the depths of April and spring. But we thank you all for joining us for episode 34 of the podcast. You can follow Peter on Twitter at P. Barracchini. You can follow myself at Andrew G. Forbes. Or you can follow the podcast at Sticks in the Six Pod. S-T-I-X-I-N-T-H-E-6-I-X-P-O-D on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, we will be doing little giveaways as the season progresses here. So be sure to, to check out our Twitter feed there. Uh, head over to Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast to download our latest episode Uh, And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review so we can bring you all kinds of content going forward. Peter, before we head out here, anything you wanted to share with our listeners? Um, Head on over to the YouTube channel. Check out the Maple Leafs Lounge as well as all of the other uh, team-centric content that we have over there with all the videos. Draft, Oilers, Red Wings, Blackhawks, you name it. Everyone is doing a fantastic job over there. So be sure to check out the YouTube channel. Uh, the hockey writers for all of, you know, uh, the updates, teams, uh, discussions. Um, it's really great content. Uh, I'm just I, I'm kind of biased right now. I think everything that's coming out of the hockey writers system, YouTube, the website, everything is just phenomenal right now. Plus, you get to see our ugly mugs on that, uh, on that <laughs> content as well. So there you go. Uh, we did shout out to uh, Mark Shag, who did get Yarmo Kekalainen. So we are getting some NHL GMs on those shows as well. Yeah. Be sure to check them out on YouTube. We're hopefully getting a YouTube channel underway very soon. So you can continue to look at us and enjoy what you see. Uh, until next time, until next week, enjoy the games this week, folks. Stay safe, bring back the OHL, and happy Easter. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs>